Now, if you would, open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Second Corinthians chapter 3, we're in verse 18 for a third week because this is so filled. Don't worry, we're going to get out of 2 Corinthians 3.18, but there's a lot here. And uh, we are zooming in on the most important part, or the, the, really what it's, the text is building up to here. John Murray, who was a very great theologian of the 20th century, he said this, no passage in Scripture, this is a fascinating statement, no passage in Scripture defines for us specifically the method of progressive sanctification more than 2 Corinthians 3.18. So in other words, if you want to know how to grow as a Christian, how to become more mature as a Christian, John Murray is saying this is one of the chief verses in all the Bible right here. 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are asking that you would transform us. That you, who sent the Son, and Father and Son, as you sent the Holy Spirit, that you would bring us into the life of the triune God and Make us more like Jesus. Father, would you call us unto him? Would you fill us with the Holy Spirit? Would you direct us to your son? And no matter what sin problem or suffering problem we might be facing this morning, as we behold him, may we trust that your promise is sure that we will be made more like him. It's a big ask, but we know you're a big God, and so we ask all this in Christ's name, amen. Unless you change to be more like Jesus, hell is a certain reality for you. Unless you change, unless I change to be more like Jesus, hell is a certain reality for us. Does that sound too harsh? Does that sound like maybe Preacher Bob or Sister Cindy on campus? Maybe because it's, it sounds too harsh for us, as I was actually thinking about that this morning when that statement came into my mind, I was thinking that might be too harsh, but then I was reminded that no one talked about hell more than Jesus. It sounds harsh, but it's true. And never forget that whenever you come into worship, that unless Jesus changes you, Unless you are saved, hell awaits. 
If there is no change in us, then there is no life of God in us. And if there's no life of God in us, then we're remaining, remaining in our sin. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. And it's not lying about that. It's not exaggerating about that. The wages of sin is death. We deserve eternal death because we've sinned against an eternal God. It's a big deal. Here's what our text is saying. Here's the good news in light of that awful news. Is that Jesus has come to live in us and he changes us. Amen? That all those who come in union with Christ will be made more like him. Now, here's what you need to hear. It is not with, like, the biggest all caps not I could tell you. It is not that you are saved because of your change. The change happens because you are saved. The change happens because you are being saved continually. The change is the fruit. The change is the effect that you know that the source is there. I have a lamp in my office. That light bulb comes on because there's electricity. I would not say that the light bulb in and of itself produces the electricity. That's reversing things. But it is very true that as there is electricity, as long as that light bulb's a good light bulb, but if there's electricity and when I turn it on, the light will come on. If you are united to Jesus Christ, if the Holy Spirit lives in you, you will change. Amen? That is good news. It is good news because God loves you so much that he's determined to save you and me from our sins. It's a promise here, and it's a promise that is all by grace. It does not depend upon us. It is a promise that no matter how sinful you and I might be, if we come to Jesus Christ and we behold Jesus Christ, we will, without a shadow of a doubt, we will be made more like him. And you can know for certain that heaven is yours. Amen? This is what the cross of Jesus Christ accomplished. When Jesus died on the cross... He took the wrath of God for our sins, but he did not just do so to merely forgive us and merely just to convert us. On the cross, Jesus purchased the power for us to change. That everything you need from the beginning of the Christian life to the end of the Christian life, everything you need is in Jesus Christ. So if you have Jesus, you will change. Now, what does that change look like? Well, we've got to redefine what we mean by that and have proper expectations. But it is for certain that everyone, even the thief on the cross, even if it's for the last few seconds of your life, if you have Jesus, he will make you more like him. Amen? It's a promise. That's what Paul's saying here. Paul is, he's, he's been trying to convince these people, look, you don't need Jesus plus something else. The, the reason why my gospel ministry is 
sufficient for all of life and godliness is because we keep Jesus always before the people. Paul is telling the Corinthians, saying, don't get distracted. Don't move away from Jesus. Don't graduate from Jesus. Don't make Jesus just be your side hustle. He is everything. And you're always looking to him because when you do, you will change. Isn't that amazing? The main thing I want to say to you, and I'm going to emphasize every different (laughs) word in this. It's this. As we behold Christ, we are being made more like him. As you behold Christ, you are being made more like him. Amen? All right, now, if you're a visitor, I'm a feedback person now. I I want to know what's happening in your soul here. Here's the thing. We are promised by God to be made like Jesus Christ. To take this statement, as we behold Christ, we are being made more like him. What you and I have to remember is this. You and I can't grow by self-obsession. It is not by obsessing over your psychological makeup It's not by obsessing over your past story. It's not by obsessing over whatever gifts you have or whatever your personality is. That is not how you grow into a mature Christian. It's as you behold Christ. We are called Christians, but many Christians are taking the Christ out of Christian. And we're so obsessed with looking at ourselves and our stories and our gifts, our personalities, whatever it might be, because we think if I can just understand me, then I can become the best me that there is. The more you look at yourself, the more depraved of a you you become. All Christian teaching, preaching, discipleship, and counseling, it is only Christian as it primarily and overwhelmingly proclaims Christ. Amen? Now believe that because there are many people who are saying otherwise. Or they'll say, yeah, yeah, Jesus, but if you really want to grow, you need to come meet with me for several weeks because you need to really understand whatever this is in your life or your makeup or whatever it is. (laughs) It is true we are to know who we are. We're to know our own hearts. Scripture will definitely talk about that even in this book. But what's the primary look? Christ. Christ in in all of his glory, in his person and his work, all the different facets of who he is, there's so much in Jesus Christ that it only is sufficient to have an eternity of heaven in a glorified state to know him. That's how glorious he is. John Owen, who wrote a fantastic book on the glory of Christ, he said this, the sight of the glory of Christ is the spring and the cause of our everlasting blessedness. Or even more modern day today, Sinclair Ferguson says this, actually in the, <clears throat> in the forward to this book, a deep and intimate knowledge of Christ resolves most practical issues of the Christian life. Those who live most fruitfully on earth realize They have priceless treasure in heaven. Christ. 
Listen, whatever we, in the Christian life or the church or whatever it might be, in our families, in our marriages, whatever we make the Jesus plus blank, whatever that blank is, inevitably becomes the main thing you look at. It becomes what we focus on most. Sometimes what Christians can say is that if we really want to change, then there's only one type of schooling that we should have, whether it's public, private, or homeschool. Sometimes we can say, if you're really going to change, or if other people are going to change, it's Jesus plus whatever political views we have, or whatever economical views we have. Or it's this, it's Jesus plus whatever TV shows we don't watch, or Back in my day, I'm 32, but some of you, you can say, you're an old guy. You're getting there, don't worry. As long as you don't read those Harry Potter books. Jesus plus your own personality test. Jesus plus knowing your story, because if you don't know your story, then you can't grow in him. And it is amazing And I don't say that in a good way. It's amazing what some people will say, that Jesus is good, but if you really want to grow, you need to know your story. I've even seen it. I don't know if it's trending anymore, but some people will say Jesus plus essential oils. Jesus plus joining a club. Jesus plus whatever facts you know. Jesus plus making a difference, having an influence. Jesus plus loving yourself. Jesus plus also making sure you have a salary. Jesus plus, and this is a big one, making sure you reach a certain level of success. We love playing the Jesus plus something. Scripture is making it very clear. How are you and I transformed? It's by beholding the glory of who? The Lord. Christ. Yes. All All the above. Christ. We cannot expect to be like Christ if we are not constantly looking to Christ. And isn't that an amazing plan for growth? Isn't it an amazing plan for our sanctification that God would look to us who love to behold sin and he would say to us, the audacity of this, he would say, I want you to behold the glory of my son. And as you do, you're transformed. It's amazing. And it's promised to us that as we behold Christ, we're being made more like him. But we do have to remember it's as we behold Christ that we are being made more like him. We covered this a couple weeks back. I won't be long on this, but we do need to remember what does it mean to behold. It means to have a prolonged look at. It means to have a a thoughtfulness about someone. It means to have a loving gaze upon him. It's not a quick look. I think oftentimes I'm fearful for oftentimes my own heart, but many others' hearts when we think that only an hour and a half on Sunday morning is all we need to look at Jesus. I remember when Sinclair Ferguson came to RTS Jackson where I was in seminary and someone asked him, what do you think is one of the biggest problems of the modern church in the West today? And without skipping a beat, he said, I think one of the telling signs is the fact that so many people have canceled evening worship. 
And then on top of that, the morning worship services are getting shorter and shorter. Even recently, there was a project that someone did actually looking at PCA churches, and they found that out of 1,930 churches, only 238 of them, that's only 12%, only 12% of PCA churches who are supposed to have a high view of who God is, they, only 12% have both morning and evening worship, worship services. One of the things why we've implemented, and this is, this is unique to not everyone has to do this, but one of the reasons why we implemented what's, what we're calling the four-course meal is because we're trying to meet our people where we are in the life that they have, and we're trying to say, here are all the avenues that we can come together to behold Christ. Because we need to behold him. We need to be looking at him, beholding him more and more. That sounds harsh, but I think, and I know my own heart often needs to be reminded, if, if I get bored of Christ here, then what do I think of heaven? But we also have to remember that the truth here is this, is as we behold Christ, we are being made more like him. You notice that in verse 18 at the very beginning, and it says, and we all, and in these verbs, beholding the glory of the Lord, and also the verb are being transformed. It's in the first person plural. It means we. It means that though you have a personal relationship with Jesus, your relationship with Jesus is never private. It's never just a you and Jesus thing, because when God made man in Genesis 2 verse 18, then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. And that's not talking about just for marriage. It's talking about for the Christian life. It is not good for you to say, I'll come to church, but then the rest of the week, I'll just do just only this me and Jesus thing. You're made to be with other Christians. You can't survive without other Christians. You need the local church to grow more and more in your faith. It'd be like saying this, to say that I'm just going to do just me and Jesus. It'd be like saying I'm going to become the world's greatest tennis player, but I'm not going to play against anyone. That's literally the game. So let me ask some questions. Who is around you? Not just who are Christians that you know, but who is genuinely pouring into your life? Here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying who are you pouring into because it can be really easy for us to pour into a lot of people but not have people who we actually open up to and ask them to pour into us. Who's pouring into you? We, it's in the community of we that we are made more like him. But it's also this, as we behold Christ, we are being made more like him. You see this? We are being transformed into the same image. Actually, in the Greek, whenever it wants to give emphasis to something, it will front load it. And so it moves, actually, more, a literal translation would be, and we all with unveiled face beholding, of the, glory, beholding the glory of the Lord. And it would really say this, into the same image, we are being transformed. 
Actually, the emphasis there is the fact that it's in the image of Christ and his glorified image. Isn't that amazing? I love what one of my mentors used to pray a lot. He used to say, Lord, make us less like our sinful selves and make us more like you. It's not the message of this. It's not the message of, I I just need to become my best self. Now, there is a way in which that is technically true, but it's really you only become your best self as you look at Christ. It's not just by being obsessed with self. The reason why I'm harboring on this is because we are constantly drinking this down all the time in the shows that we see, in the music that we hear, in the conversations we're about, even in the advertisement for colleges, jobs, whatever it might be. It's all about as long as you are just you. And the Christian life says this is the opposite. You see, it's actually as we look at Christ who is the true image of God that we are then made more and more into his image. The text is implying this. If you don't look to Jesus more and more, you are not becoming more truly human. You're sinking more and more in depravity. It's actually by rejecting Jesus that sin mars you more and more. Now, every human is always made in the image of God. That is true. But that image is so greatly marred, and unless you turn to Jesus, you will not know what it means to be truly human. Because Jesus is the truest of what it means to be human. So therefore, looking to him shows us what it means to be who we're meant to be. Amen? Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. In other words, we cannot make sense of ourselves unless we look at God. But it also says this in Colossians 1.15, talking about Jesus. He is not just an image. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the God-man, but you better be sure he is true humanity. And so as you look to Jesus Christ, he transforms you into his image. So in that sense, do you want to be, as it were, your best self in that sense? It's actually not by being obsessed with self, but being obsessed with him and beholding him. Maybe... You want to become a more loving person. Maybe parents, we want to see our children make more wise decisions. Maybe you want confidence amidst chaos. Maybe you want joy amidst sorrow. Maybe you want patience when people are rushing you to do something. Maybe you want kindness in the face of rudeness. Maybe you want goodness despite a culture of depravity. Maybe you want faithfulness in a fickle generation. Maybe you want gentleness while people are being harsh to you. Maybe you want self-control in a world that is telling you to never say no to yourself. How does this happen in our lives? By looking at Jesus in those specific areas. 
That's how it happens. As we behold Christ, we also need to see this. We are being transformed into his image. Notice that it says that. It says we are. Now, every word in here uh, is there for a purpose. What it's saying there is that as you behold Christ, make for certain you are changing. Amen? Some of you need to be reminded of that. It feels like nothing's happening, but you are changing. It feels like I'm just struggling with the same things. I'm thinking the same thoughts. I keep treating people the same way. But the more you look to Jesus, you are being transformed. That's what God's word says. I, I, I don't see any caveats here, do y'all? You are being transformed as long as you're also just really good and you go on a long enough streak without sinning. It doesn't say that, does it? This is for anyone who looks to Jesus. This is for anyone, no matter what the problem might be. And here's what Satan loves to do. He loves to make you think that when you look at Jesus, nothing's happening. Oftentimes, he loves to mess with our already unrealistic expectations. We often have these unrealistic expectations in the Christian life, and we think, oh, well, it's just as soon as I go to church, all my problems will be solved. That's just read Romans 7. He loves to make you think, oh, if you're looking at Jesus, if you, if you don't see any change, oh, you must not be changing. You must go do something else. Satan loves to make us think that as we look at Christ, that nothing's happening. But growth in grace, which is a goal of our church, growth in grace is like a plant. It first grows beneath the surface before it becomes visible. It grows more underneath where you can't see it invisible in that sense before it bears all the fruit. Have you all seen how fast some of these plants out here are growing? Pretty awesome. You can often look at those and I say, I wish my life would take off like those plants. But notice that those plants either did not grow out or up until they first grew down. There you go. Yeah, amen. And that's exactly what the Christian life is. It is as you sink your spiritual roots in Christ more and you, you linger there more. You behold his glory and his grace more. Be patient. He is always at work. Amen? Also be patient with others because God is at work in their lives too. It's not a matter of if we're going to grow if we look at Christ. It's just when. Or at least, it's always, it's not even when. Really, it's when are we going to actually see the fruit of the reality within. Make no mistake about it. You never leave here neutral, ever. Whenever you open your Bible and you read it, whenever you pray, whenever you meet with a Christian to talk about the Christian life, you will never leave neutral. God is always at work. Amen? 
Maybe you're struggling with an addiction right now. Maybe you're wrestling with debilitating depression. Maybe you're sliding back into a very familiar sin. And you're, and you're wondering that question. I've been, I've, been, I've been coming to church. I've been, I've been praying. I've been meeting with people. I've been, been looking to Jesus. Why am, I, why am I still? It just seems like nothing's happening. Sometimes, sometimes God will hide the effects for a season so that we don't worship the effects, but we keep looking to him. Sometimes God keeps us from seeing ourselves as strong so that we would know that we're weak because weak people depend on Jesus. Matter of fact, that's one of the things that we need to reorient. You are mostly growing in your soul before it is visible to other people. But make no mistake, as you or anyone else, if you're a believer and you look to Jesus, you will change. Amen? You will. I've talked with countless people. (laughs) It seems to be one of my most frequent conversations and it's a good one. I want you to have these conversations with me. I, I'm often, I have these conversations with other people. It's, it's often funny whenever you give counseling to someone and then you go and you say, I'm struggling with this. And then you hear them give you the same counsel you just gave someone else. And you realize, why did I not just think about that? Oftentimes it's been when people, which is so great, they know a sin that they're struggling with. And, and, and they finally take that step to meet with someone. You finally, you know, you muster up the courage to finally tell the person what's going on. And, and, you, and you feel that lingering, hounding shame. But do you, let me encourage you for a second. Why did you even reach out to another Christian or a pastor for help in the first place? Who brought you to that point? Because if you weren't a Christian, it would not be you. It must be the work of the Holy Spirit, amen? Actually, one of the greatest things you need to see is the fact that you feel that struggle and that battle within and you look to another Christian for help, you know that God's at work. Isn't that awesome? I can show you this. I love to give this illustration because uh, I, I literally will do this with people. Flashlight. There you go. I guess there's lights up here, but this is, you get to see kind of what I do at times. Here's a flashlight and my hand's right underneath it. This hand has several scars on it. Uh, is my hand underneath the light? Yeah. But as my hand gets closer to the light, can you see more of the scars and the, uh, you know, dirt under the fingernails or, you know, whatever other things might be there? Oh, yeah, as it gets closer to the light, you actually see it more. It's not that it wasn't there before, you just see it more. 
Now, as you see these things, you become more sensitive to those things. As you see your sin, you become more sensitive because you're learning to love what God loves, and God loves godliness. He hates sin. And so you feel that tension within. But here's the question. Is my hand closer to the light here than it was here? It's closer here. You see, as you grow closer to God, it is good that you grow in sensitivity of your sin. But that's not the whole story. Don't just say, woe is me. But you run to Christ, who is at work in your life. Amen? You are being made more like him. No matter what other thoughts might be hounding you, as you look to Jesus, you are being made more like him. But we also must remember, as we behold Christ, we are being made more like him. This word (laughs) for being is very important. Notice that in our Bibles, it does not say that we are transforming ourselves into Christ's image. It does not say that. It says we are being transformed. In other words, it's happening to us. That's very important because what the original language is trying to tell us is this. You don't change yourself. God does. God does not bring you into the Christian life all by grace, and then it's just up to you to work it out. And if you're not working hard enough, then, well... Better not be sure about your salvation. That is not what the Bible says. The Bible says that God's grace continues throughout our lives. Yes, we are working out our salvation, but who is empowering us to work? As you look to Jesus, God is transforming you. You better be sure God's at work. Now, this should rebuke some of us who can become way too prideful and we can look at other people and we say, well, why aren't you at the same level as I am? But you have to remember, the only reason why you have any sort of growth is because of God's grace. It's not because of your work. It is not because of your cooperation with God. Because you would never cooperate with God. It is by his sovereign grace. And thank goodness. Because if you cannot earn it, then even when you're just running away from him like Jonah, it does not mean God's going to give up on you. Amen? It should also be a comfort to us. Some of us, many of us, might wish we were, what we like to say, we were further along. We often, once again, we don't have the right expectations. What do you mean when you say further along? Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you. It says here, you know, when it says we are being transformed, what we see at the very end of the verse, this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It's God who's doing the work. Some of you who just, you feel like maybe year after year after year you've been wrestling with these same things. And you say, I should be further along by now. Can I just graciously rebuke you for a second? Who do you think you are? Matter of fact, oftentimes when we say, I should be further along right now, really the the core thing there is you have too much pride. 
And then you often get in this mindset, you say, well, if I could go back and live my life over again, then I would do things different. You have way too much pride. I have way too much pride. Because how are we the way we even are right now? It is God's grace. Look, if God wanted you further along in whatever it is, you would be further along. Now, at the same time, that does not mean that we sit back and say, well, if God wants me further along, I'm just going to lay here and he'll do the work. That's not biblical. Because actually right before this section in Philippians 2 verse 13 is chapter 2 verse 12, where Paul says, you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Who works? Is it God or you? Yes. You are really working. You are really pursuing the Lord, and God will repay you, but it is all by his grace. How does that make sense with God's sovereignty and responsibility? Yes. We're finite beings trying to understand the infinite, but we know this. God is sovereign in totality, and yet we are also responsible. This should keep us humble, and it should keep us from saying, man, if I were so-and-so, here's what I would do, A, B, and C, or X, Y, and Z. And as long as they just were like me, then they'd have their act together. First off, you have no clue what's going on in their heart. Remember, they grow down before they grow out and up. But also, secondly, you actually might not be further along as you might think because you're still thinking so highly of yourself. Mature Christianity is becoming more dependent upon Jesus. It's not becoming more independent. And it's actually as we understand his grace that I realize because God is always going to be working in me, then I can work as hard as I can at my salvation, and I know that it's not up to me. He will do it. I have nothing to lose. Amen? Isn't that awesome? As we behold Christ, we are being made more like him. This word for transformed is such a cool word. I've always loved this word. It literally is where we get our English word for metamorphosis. A transformation, a changing process to, to, to shape something from one form into another. That's what happens in the Christian life. As you look to Jesus by faith, you are being spiritually metamorphosized or whatever grammar term you need to correct me with after this. I'm from Alabama, have mercy. We are being transformed. Unlike Moses, whose, whose face was fading away, we're continually being transformed. And that means this, my friends, that sin and suffering is not the greatest power in my life anymore. Amen? It's not. Christ rose from the dead. There can be no one stronger than him. Though I still sin, though I still suffer, it is not the greatest power in my life. And we need to tell ourselves that. That doesn't mean that sin just zaps away and you reach some level of Christian perfectionism. No, once again, just read the Bible. But it does mean that there is a greater power in your life that will more and more defeat sin and live unto God. 
But once again, that does not mean that you will, in some areas, you've seen it. In some areas, you haven't struggled with that, whatever it is, for years. And in some other areas, you're fighting tooth and nail right now. That's different for every person. But even when you're fighting tooth and nail, make no mistake about it, sin is not the greatest power in your life. Christ is. Amen? That's huge. <laughs> because in our world, we love identity. And it is very important to think about how we identify ourselves. Sin describes my experience, but it does not define who I am. Sin describes my experience, and I need to accurately describe my experience so I can know and help others know what's really going on and where I need to apply the gospel. But never does sin or suffering, no matter how bad it might be, does that define me. Christ does. Years ago, I was talking with a girl who <laughs> was struggling with same-sex attraction. And she was, she's a, she's a believer. And after many meetings with her, we were walking through it, and she kept saying over and over, like, this is just who I am. I am same-sex attracted. Now, just as a reminder, this took many different meetings, okay? And I would love to talk with you about this if this is something you struggle with. But finally, we got to the point where she was learning to trust me, and I was able to speak into her life more and more, and we were able to get into the point where I was able to say, well, that's actually not a biblical way of identifying yourself. It's not saying that you don't struggle with that, but it's not your identity. And she said this, well, I don't want to just walk around all the time just thinking about how bad of a sinner I am. Well, for one, welcome to the club. But secondly, you see actually what was happening is that she thought that if she just labeled this as sin, if she called it actually the way Bi the Bible calls it, that even if you don't act out on it in your nature, it is still sin. But when you have a sinful identity, particularly for this girl, it was plummeting her in depression. It was plummeting her in despair. No wonder. Now, that's not at all to say that her experience is not real. It's very real. And we must remember that. But what is the greatest power in her life? Jesus Christ. And you know what we do in those moments? Hey, look, it is tough. It is hard. And on your own power, you, you cannot fight this. You can't. But you do have the Holy Spirit. And though you might be battling the temptation the rest of your life, it might, Christ is always the greatest power in your life. You'll never reach a, a point in this life where, you are be, where you're perfect, but one day, finally, in heaven, all of that will go away. But even now, define yourself rightly. Know who you are. Know what the Bible says about you. This doesn't make you somehow a different category as if you need Jesus plus something else. Don't you dare go there. Jesus. Jesus is sufficient for all of our sins in here. It doesn't matter what type of sin it is. Those certain sins might be more heinous than others. They're all sin. They all deserve death. And they all need one Jesus Christ. 
And so by that power, you know what? I'm in it with you. I'm in it with you. And let's keep looking to Jesus more and more. And that's how people grow. Amen? The last thing I want to emphasize here is this, is this word as. As we behold Christ. It literally in the Greek is saying that you cannot be transformed unless you are looking at Christ. That is a thus says the Lord right there. You cannot be transformed unless you're looking at Christ in all of his glory, in all the variety of it, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, in all the different ways he applies to your life. But you better be sure that as you do, it is a guarantee you will look more and more like him. Amen? Believe this gospel of grace and you'll be saved. Though it's a process, he's going to make you more like him. Amen? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we're asking that you lift up our spiritual eyes, our heart, our soul, the entirety of our person to see him who sits in the heavenlies. By faith, to look at him who hears us. And to believe that no matter how bad it gets, he's working in us. And that one day we'll be there with him. Lord Jesus, make it true. Send your spirit. We ask all this in your name. Amen.